Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Now for our story. Peggy Douglas had been waiting in the lobby of the Brown Palace Hotel in Wakefield. She and her fiancé, Nicholas Dorn, had planned to have dinner together, and Nicholas had gone up to his room to freshen up. While it was gone, Peggy had been very surprised to see an old acquaintance. Paul Cromwell emerged from the hotel bar and started across the lobby. Paul had recognized Peggy immediately. Had stopped on his way to dinner and to chat with a young girl he'd met a year ago, when he and Kip Mead were the other half of a foursome, which had included Peggy and Bill Mead. But Kip had changed the pattern of that foursome. He'd won Bill away from Peggy and had married him. This evening, Peggy and Paul had reminisced for a while. Then Peggy had innocently given Paul some information which changed his plans completely. For when Peggy mentioned the fact that Kit intended fighting Bill Mead's suit for divorce, Paul realized how completely Kit had deceived him. A few minutes after Paul had left Peggy, Nicholas Dorn returned to find her looking somewhat bewildered. Well, here I am. Well, here I am. Well, here I am. Oh, you look very nice, Nick. I like that look men have when they've just shaved. They always look so pleased with themselves. <laughs> Everything happened while I was gone? Did you meet any interesting people? Well, as a matter of fact, I did. You mean to say I can't leave you alone for 15 minutes without acquiring some handsome rival? Well, he's handsome, all right, but believe me, Nick, Paul is far from a rival. Oh, I see. First names already. Hmm, you've only known each other a few minutes. <laughs> Where is he, this bounder? I'll... Oh, uh... Nick, he's such a dope. You're obscuring the issue. Where is I say, where is he? The bounder, that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just went upstairs. You'll probably meet him later, Nick. He's an old friend of Kit. Of Kit Mead? Mm-hmm. Tell me, you and Kit always like the same people. It doesn't seem possible. Well, you see, Paul, Paul Cromwell was going with Kit while Bill and I were running around together. Oh, the happy foursome you told me about? Well, it was all right until Kit decided she liked Bill better than Paul. Hmm. Well, Mr. Cromwell still knocking himself out, still longing for the irresistible serpent? I think Paul is still in love with Kit. But he's always been, well, what you'd call blase about it. Oh, the worldly type. Mm-hmm. There's something I don't understand. He said he'd just seen Kit, yet he seemed to have the whole story all mixed up. Oh, that's simple. That's because he's just seen Kit? Well, I don't know. I hope I didn't say anything I shouldn't have. What did you do? Give him the whole sort of little tale in a nutshell? I'm afraid I did. Well, what's wrong with that? Might as well know what goes on. Certainly as if it weren't common knowledge, and heaven knows what sort of a song and dance the mead wench would have given him. He's lucky he saw you. Perhaps. It's funny. Paul's rather charming in his own way, but I don't really approve of him. Huh? What sort of person is he? Well, he's very cynical, for one thing. I mean, he's quite willing to admit that he's sort of a heel, but it doesn't seem to bother him. He used to say that's why he thought he and Kit were such a good combination. Because they both were unscrupulous. Mm-hmm. I get the picture. Personally, that sort of sophistication doesn't ring quite true. Mm, makes me uncomfortable. Although I must say, in fairness, that Paul wasn't being false with me tonight. He seemed quite sincere. But, oh, he acted rather strange. I think I must have said something that upset him. But I can't imagine what it was. Well, I wouldn't worry about it too much, darling. This pal of yours and Kit's is such a rounder, he'll recover from the shock, whatever it was. 
Oh, I'm not worried exactly, Nicholas. But I'm puzzled. Why? What did Cromwell do? Did he say something? What happened? Well, it was very odd. But all of a sudden, he got this strange expression on his face, as if he'd just thought of something, something very important he had to do. Peggy was right. Paul did have something very important to do. He'd been very much disturbed by his conversation with her, and very much enlightened, too. He'd learned the truth from Peggy, discovered that Kit had deliberately broken her promise to him. For instead of trying to get a divorce from Bill Meade, as he'd promised in California, Kit was doing everything she could to fight that divorce. Now, Paul sits at his telephone, while in Ben Calvert's home, Kit hurries nervously to answer the insistently ringing bell. Hello? Hello? Kit? Yes? Is this... Yes, Kit, it's Paul. But I thought... Yes, I know you did. But things have changed. What do you mean? Are you alone? No, but... I mean, can you talk? Yes. Good. Kit, I thought you might like to know that I'm not taking the train for Chicago tonight. You're not? But why? I mean, couldn't you make it in time or what? Oh, yes. I had plenty of time. In fact, I had time to spare. I've been having a very interesting time here at the hotel. Well, I'm glad to hear it, darling. So what could be so interesting that you'd want to miss your train? Oh, you know me, Kit. Just a creature of whims and sudden decisions. Yes, Paul, I know you very well. And I wish you'd stop being so cute at present. Cute? Oh, no, no, no. That's not the word for it, Kit. Well, whatever the word is, you're acting very strangely. We made a perfectly reasonable agreement, and now... No, Kit, that's one of the troubles with you. You always look at things entirely from your own side. I haven't the least idea what you're babbling about, Paul. I mean, this agreement we made about my going back to Chicago tonight. You say it's reasonable. Well, it didn't strike me as reasonable. I had just gotten here, and you wanted me to turn right around and dash away. You know perfectly well why I made that suggestion. Yes, Kit, I I think I do. Now? I told you exactly what my reasons were, and you, you admitted it would be wise. Yes, that was an hour ago. I've lived a long time since then. Oh, for heaven's sake, Paul. What's the matter with you? You keep talking in these childish riddles. Nothing's the matter with me, darling. Not anymore. I think I've recovered just in time. Otherwise, it might have proved fatal. Well, all I know is that you made me a promise and you've broken it for no good reason that I can see. I'm very annoyed with you, Paul. <laughs> oh, you are, darling, eh? Annoyed with me, really? Well, that's my cue to go off in a corner and suffer for a while. That's what I've always done isn't it? And then come crawling on my hands and knees to beg forgiveness. I know what it is you've been drinking. You sat right there in that bar and drank yourself silly and missed your train. And now you're not even making sense. <laughs> oh, no, Kit. I assure you, dear, you're wrong. Look, Paul, if you can't pull yourself together, I wish you'd go to bed and sleep it off. I'll talk to you when you're in better shape. I haven't been drinking. As a matter of fact, I've never been more sober in my life. Then what's the matter with you? You're, you're certainly talking like a, like a lunatic. On the contrary. I'm talking like a man who's been in a thick fog for a long time and has come out of it to find he was teetering on the edge of a precipice. Well, I'm fed up with this nonsense. I can't stand here all night listening to you babble. No, of course you can't, darling. Because, uh, you're coming down here to see me right away. I'm certainly not. Oh, yes, you are. Why should I? I'm very irritated with you, Paul. If you think I'm coming down there to listen to you make a fool of yourself... Never mind why you're coming down. You are, that's all. And right away... Aren't you being just a wee bit insolent, my friend? 
I'm not accustomed to being dictated to by you or anyone else. Well, darling, you've got a new experience in store for you, and you might as well get started on it right away. Well, that's charming of you, but thank you, no. I'm going to bed very shortly. I'm tired, and I have no intention of leaving the house. All right, then. I'll come out there. You certainly will not. You must be out of your I mean it. If you won't come down here within an hour, I'm coming out there to get you. But, but why, Paul? What's the matter with you? I don't understand You it. will, my sweet. You and I have a lot of things to talk over, and we're going to talk them over tonight. I'll expect you within an hour. Goodbye. Kit Mead hung up the receiver, sat for a moment staring blankly at the telephone. She was frightened. Paul had never talked like that in all the time she'd known him. Did this mean that in the brief time since she'd left him in the hotel, Paul had somehow found out about the divorce? That she intended to fight it? No, she tried to reassure herself. It was just that she was jumpy and nervous, imagining things. Paul had probably decided to stay in Wakefield to be nearer was bluffing, hoping she wouldn't send him away. And yet, he sounded so firm and so cold. Kit's face was white, and her hands trembled as she hurriedly took off her house coat and began to dress. She'd have to see him, have to find out why he'd stayed. <laughs> 